Welcome to SEC Football Live. Here we are, M-I-Z-Z-O-U. That's right, this is kind of like a Missouri hat I've got on here. Michael Bratton, Braden Gall here. Welcome to the show, already in progress. As you can tell, my voice is a little shot today. Uh, after spending a weekend in the Smoky Mountains with my daughters and at an SEC football game that was, as a father, one of the most memorable moments of my entire existence. So uh, we'll get to that coming up. We've got a lot of stuff to discuss. We've got two team, three teams in the West that are 0-10. Uh, what does the future hold for those three teams? And I think I would lump South Carolina and Vanderbilt into those conversations as well in terms of can they make bowl games? And, of course, what do we make of the coaching jobs uh, and the futures of, of all those guys? In those positions, Missouri and Florida surging into the second half. Two huge wins over the weekend. We'll get to them. They've got interesting games coming up. Uh, at least Missouri does coming up this weekend. Alabama survives. Tennessee survives. They, of course, will play on the third Saturday in October. So we'll get to that game. Can the Vols make it a dirty rock fight in Tuscaloosa, which is not traditionally the way Josh Heupel's football teams have played. So we've got a lot to discuss. Brock Bowers injury, of course is a big one as well. Tim Dodge. Good to see you, Tim, by the way. Big fan. Uh, I'm honestly wondering why I watch Auburn football. Mike, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. M-I-Z, Braden. We're five. Wait, what are we, six and one right now? Braden, there's, we. we? Uh, Braden, there's three. I already kind of ruined it. There's three SEC teams that are bowl eligible. Can you name them? Uh, six, Who have six wins? Yes, sir. Uh, the Missouri Tigers. Correct. The, George Bulldogs, and either Bama or Tennessee, one of the two, right? Alabama. So, I mean, yeah, Mizzou, yeah. once again, carrying the conference to glory. Mm. What a what a time to be alive. You know what? Yep. Uh, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, Missouri has a bunch of really big games coming up in the East, of course, and uh, they have to contain – they got to – I thought this was interesting. They're only a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home against South Carolina. I thought that was an interesting – number there because they've clearly been a better football team but South Carolina not necessarily as bad as its record indicates they've been in those games so they obviously think that this is going to be a close game in Columbia is it the mayor's cup right the the mayor's rivalry or whatever which Columbia is the better Columbia <laughs> yeah they, uh, I mean, why, why did they go with the Columbia cup or something like that you the, know the, the answer is no <laughs> uh if I'm ranking the 14 places in the SEC I don't, about, I don't think any. I don't think anyone wants to know where I'm putting both Columbias. How about the A uh, and M South Carolina Trophy? Do you know what it's called? Uh, no, uh, but that's because you know what, as Spurrier said, all them boys from Tennessee. I thought all them boys from Tennessee went down there and died in the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, they did. I think it's like the. Yeah, I have no idea what that's called. Maybe someone can help us out here. It's it's there's a big joke about it, and all the guys that cover South Carolina have been writing about it for a long time. So we'll we'll get to we'll get to South Carolina Missouri in just a second. Um, Lots to discuss. Let's start with the Brock Bowers injury just real fast, and then we'll get into like my. I'm gonna. I have two very different reactions to the Tennessee win over AM and and the view of what that does for the Alabama game. Mm-hmm. And I want to get your thoughts on what you saw from Alabama as well. So I want to get into all of that. But and it's by the, the way, please go it, ahead. It's the John Bonham Trophy, the uh, drummer from Led Zeppelin. Yes. I, I, if they could just get Little Bonzo to play a reunion tour, I would spend <laughs> I would spend all of my life savings to go watch them play. Uh, either way. Uh, Missouri carrying the SEC to glory equals the little brother finally getting to put a hurt on someone after getting picked on. I, they did step right into the league and win two divisions just for for what it's worth. Um, I, I want to get to all that stuff, but I want to start with Brock Bowers because uh, the tightrope surgery that he has on the high ankle sprain, um, that was something that I covered here in Nashville last year. 
Uh, Brock Bowers, of course, out. They're saying as quick as three weeks. I'm telling you, that's probably unlikely. Maybe more, more like four to six weeks potentially for him. They've got all, all their tough games coming up. But I, I think here's what what I learned last year. Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback for the Titans, who I the team I cover here locally, had an injury early in the season in the NFL. Um, it injured the ankle, gutted gutted through it, played like six games, and then hurt it again on December. I think it was December 14th like week 15 in the NFL season, week 14, maybe he then has the surgery, the exact same surgery that Brock Bowers has. He has the tightrope surgery in hopes of him returning four weeks later to play in the season finale for the Titans to try to win their way into the playoff. He, he gets put on IR. He, he never comes close to playing for the Titans last year. And now this week he heard it again in week six in London. So I don't know what the injury this year means. I don't think it means anything. I do think Georgia fans should prepare for the back end of that time frame for Brock Bauer's injury. And I also think, more importantly, you can probably win a lot of these games on your schedule without him. What is What matters is if you need him for the SEC championship game or if you need him for playoff games. I, I would hold him out until the playoff because I don't know if Georgia misses the playoff. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm changing my prediction on Georgia because of the Bauer's injury. Mike, are you? Um. Well, my prediction was LSU, so nope, no, I ain't changing it. There I ain't changing it. You know, but uh, is, is it different at all? If it's, um, I mean, I I know a lot of quarterbacks. You you referenced Tannehill too. Uh, I'm sure there's others, but tight end and quarterback that's very different. You know, they're asking them to do different things, cutting and blocking, and mm -hmm. there's going to be pile ups. And uh, again, I, Brock Bowers is a freak, so. If you tell me the average is four to six weeks, I mean, I would, I would imagine he'll be back three and a half, four weeks because he is such a freak. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that applies to a, a surgery yeah. like this. So, I, I uh, just wouldn't rush him. I don't know why you'd rush him back. That, I wouldn't play all. him in, until the SEC championship. Yeah, I, it, I, and and only if he's a hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm at. And I know we talked last week, and you complained about Kyle Pitts not being a hundred percent and getting benched before before the SEC championship game in 2020 so that he could play in the SEC championship game. I am of the same belief. If Brock Bowers is 82% and you think you need him at 89% to win the SEC championship game or you want him at 100 for the college football playoff and you think you can do it without him, that to me is a strategy decision. That's not removing value in the regular season, if that makes sense. You still on this? I'm just saying, like you said the same thing, com complained about it last time. With Kyle Pitts, no, and now you're because, saying it's okay that, to do that's it with completely Rock different because they did, what they did is they just basically because they had it they, they had the East sewn up and they didn't need to beat LSU to make the the conference championship and they were trying to but he make wasn't a college 100%. football playoff he he, he was, was fine he played the week before he mm -hmm. played the yeah. week after I, yeah I'm sure that day he was they didn't All right, yeah let's let's I, I'm not trying to get back to that discussion I'm just saying the value for Georgia is not Georgia Tech. The value for Georgia, like the value for Georgia is the SEC championship or the playoff. And mm -hmm. he, he, I doubt he is back. My, my personal opinion, I'm not a doctor. I've just covered the specific surgery last year. Ryan Tannehill was not close to playing in a, the most important football game of the season last year for the Titans four weeks later. And he, he is an athlete. Like he does run around a lot. So while he is a quarterback and they ask him to do different things than the tight end, certainly Brock Bowers is a freak of nature. Best player in college football, in my opinion. I think that's the, the the story to me, unfortunately, is the guy that I would have probably voted for for the Heisman is now 
probably not going to get any votes. And I think that's a shame. And I think we lose watching him play in his final regular season games, probably. But if he is back for the playoff, that could change Georgia's championship hopes. So I, I'm, I don't know. SEC championship game, that's pushing it on the time frame, but I think it's possible. You know, the human Let body. Let me ask you this. The human, it, the human body's weird. There's no way to predict it. It's a long shot. I was kind of kidding before, but it, it is a long shot that LSU makes the SEC championship. But let's just say it happens, which means that they most almost assuredly have to beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. They make it to the SEC championship, and it and it is a high-scoring game because of LSU's offense. And defense. And, yep, and their defense. And Brock Bowers is unavailable to play. Would that – not that you'd sit here and predict LSU outright, but but that I have to believe that would give you more optimism that LSU could win a high-scoring game if Georgia – and they got weapons, I get it. They got plenty no, of weapons, I, but the main weapon will not if he's unavailable. No, I think it's a great question, and I think, um, you know, ber, ber, uh, breaking parallels to points out Oscar Delp and Lawson Lucky will will play at the tight end position. To your point, was, they also. I think have that was a, the same guy that said Delp sucked when he fumbled against Auburn. <laughs> Look, you fans are fickle, man. You can you can never make fans happy. We all think everybody's the greatest in the world one week, and then everybody sucks the next week, and that's just the nature of our game and the way the media covers it and the way you fans react. And it is what it is. Uh, I can complain about it all I want, but it's never going to change. Uh, I, I do think it depends on what they look like. Like, I want to see what they look like. If if the offense looks like it did against Auburn, but all of a sudden you don't have those those big chunk plays, those X plays in the fourth quarter when you're trailing, I think that's a concern. I On the other side of that is I think Carson Beck is, I mean, honestly, other than Brock Bowers, Carson Beck has been the best player on the offense. Like, he's been the most consistent. He's been in con- control of the, the offense. And the quarterback is still far more important than anything else. So it depends on how they look. If they're winning games 27-14, 27-17, you know, mm-hmm. then, I, then I've got a concern. Uh, uh, but if they're still going 42-12 to 12 against people or whatever the numbers look like, uh, you know, I know last 37-20 to 20 last week was like a dramatic underperformance by Georgia. So I think it depends on how they look. And LSU, like – LSU needs to go into Tuscaloosa and win a game against a very good defense in a hostile environment. If they do that, then I have more faith in LSU. So in your scenario, if Georgia struggles without Bowers and LSU wins the division, I I, I still think it's probably Georgia by, I mean, what do you think the point spread would be? Georgia versus, by six, six and a half, seven and a half, something like that? Versus LSU? Yeah, uh, in, in an SEC championship game, yeah. Maybe like 13. Oh, okay. Well, I think. But you're picking them to win, though, outright. I mean, but no. says, come on, Braden. Us fans are completely rational. Uh, <laughs> fan is short for people don't know this. Fan is short for rational and logical. It's not short for fanatic <laughs> at all. It's, that's what fan stands for. It's short for logical. Um, so I, I just I just think it's an important timeline to keep a note of. I happen to have a some experience with it last year, and Tannehill at four weeks had no chance of playing in the most important game of the season for the Titans. Again, bodies are different. Timelines are different. Bowers has more time. He's Georgia has a ton of other weapons that they're going to play, and, and they're going to be fine in most games. We'll see. If they get into some one-possession games like Auburn, I mean, Bowers was the hero with Beck on those final three drives. So Who, who is JT? We'll I, I'm, is he saying JD, maybe? 
JT Jaden Daniels. It says JT is the best quarterback in the SEC. Justin Timberlake. He's a basketball guy from Memphis. Uh, okay, uh, so let's, let's you, you guys accuse me of being a fan, and there is no question I am a fan. And I'm going to show you all the difference between being a fan and being in the media. I'm going to do it right now for you guys all to see the difference. Because I took my two daughters to Neyland Stadium, easy for me to say. For the first time in their lives, we, we, we had a cabin up in the mountains. We went to Dollywood. We did roller coasters. We saw actual real black bears at our property. Oh, wow. Out in the mountains, it was great. The kids went nuts. Uh, we were safely secure, high above the ground, in a in a in a porch and a deck that did not have any access. <laughs> um, it it was awesome, and being in Neyland Stadium to teach them about the traditions of my particular alma mater, to teach them about the the, the chants and the cheers, and and the the checkerboard and the colors and how disgusting the lower level of Neyland Stadium's concourse is and just all, all the but all the great stuff man like I, I could not have walked out of that stadium as a father and an alumni any happier any happier my two daughters are now hooked for life on this drug that is SEC football and I, I could not have been happier as a fan and as a father and as an alumni wait before cool- you finish that thought for nine months, you've been saying you're going to see a loss. I know. Too. You I, know what? I know. I know. That's why I was so happy. That's why, I, like, well, although maybe I'm setting them up for failure because now they think, like, Tennessee didn't. <laughs> Tennessee won the game. That's not normal. Like, that's not how it works normal. Um, but that's my analysis as a fan, as an alumni, as a father who took my two daughters. And, like, my my little one, my five-year-old's like, no, Dad, I need two shakers on third down. Like she got it. Like she understood that she need. I, I've got to be louder, Dad. I've got to be louder. My oldest one is singing Rocky Top. Like they, they got, they got it. it. It landed. As an analyst, I walked out of that stadium talking to my buddies, going, "That was." They scored one offensive touchdown against an average football team at home in one of the most hostile environments. They clearly don't trust the quarterback. They're undisciplined. The penalties are terrible. Like that was not a good football game. If I'm a Tennessee fan trying to analyze the future of the of the team this year. Like, can they win some games with a great running game and a pretty good defensive line? Maybe. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come away from that with a lot of confidence in Tennessee's ability to win big games the rest of the season. That Texas A&M team is poorly coached and average, maybe slightly above average. And right now, Tennessee's two toughest games on the field have come against two average SEC teams. One of them beat the shit out of them. And the other one was on Saturday where they scored one offensive touchdown at home against Texas A&M. I have no confidence in this Tennessee team beating Bama, Kentucky, Missouri, and Georgia. I I don't from what I saw. But as a father and as a fan, one of the most important and memorable days of my entire life on Saturday. Nico, 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 Nico. Stop it. Is it time time for Nico? I mean, it it literally can't be any worse. At least, maybe it, as long as he can run. I, I think it um, absolutely could be worse. Okay. I think you're. I think you're underestimating average. I mean, he knows how to hand terrible. the ball off, doesn't he? I mean, that's about like, all Tennessee does. Was it? Uh, was it Rick Clawson and the bouquet toss at the back of the end zone against LSU? Like, like you can get worse than Joe. Yeah. Mil- Joe Milton. Joe Milton made a few plays with his legs. I'll give him credit for that. Um. But this coaching staff in big moments clearly does not trust Joe Milton to make plays. 
But that at was, the same time, Shane, uh, I almost called you Shane. Brady. Oh, my gosh. Come on now. <laughs> I do that to Steven, too. But uh, you, I, I can see it in all the, the comments here. We're overlooking the fact, Braden, dominant defensive performance. Very good defensive line. Uh, I didn't think they would run for, what, 232. I, I thought if they ran for 100 on AM, that would have been a good game because AM's that good up front. I, I was very they impressed. With the ran all over their ass. So uh, credit Josh Heupel. A lot of these coaches, and, and you know, I mean, hell, the guy he was facing on Saturday, they, they don't adapt. This is what got me here. I'm a genius. We got to throw it 50, 60 times a game. Not Heupel. He says, okay, we can't throw it. <laughs> So we're going to pound the hell out of the ball and I agree. make it stop. So, uh, you know, credit Hypo for adjusting and doing a 180 from last season with the personnel. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, Nick Saban said, I don't see a difference between Hen and Hooker and Joe. <laughs> oh, get the fuck, get the fuck I can't out even, of here. I can't even say that without laughing. But I don't even said, believe you. I don't even believe you. you that, that That's a real thing. He said it on Monday. So. Uh, but there is a there's a there's a little bit of a difference. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. So I I have been saying this unfortunately about Joe Milton for years back to Michigan, and I talked to an NFL scout about him this summer, um, and I've not ever said this publicly. It, basically, I, I said, "What what does the NFL think about this guy?" And the quote was, "He's football dumb." Rodney and, says, "No one is bashing Joe Milton. No bike." I just called him football dumb. <laughs> I literally just said that out of my mouth. That, and that's not a quote from me. That is a quote from an NFL scout. An NFL scout said he's I mean, football dumb. Some people and just look, see sure what, see what sure they want to see, I guess. It, uh, doesn't it look like it's football dumb to you? I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, lack of awareness, situational, knowing what to do. You know, when you get someone to jump off sides and then you have like a three-yard rush when everybody knows you could throw it, Yeah. you know, yeah. as far as, as anybody – uh, humanly possible, uh, but he won't throw it up. I, to, I think yeah. here, let's go back. Let's go back to Hypo because I think that's the better point. Like Hypo showing the ability to be patient, stick with something that works, evolve his offense, change his strategy. I think that's the only way they can beat Alabama this weekend. I think that's the only way they can beat Georgia in a couple of weeks. I think it's how they're going to beat Missouri or Kentucky if those things happen. I think they have to make it a dirty football game, and that's antithetical to everything we saw from Tennessee last year and everything we've seen from Josh Hypo his entire career. And so I, I think it's one of the first times he's ever won a game without scoring 30 points, actually, something like that uh, for Josh Heupel. He also adjusted the running game inside the game itself. They tried up the middle, and it didn't work the first couple drives. They started getting out onto the edge, and it mm. worked. And then once they got out onto the edge, that's when they could come back and do whatever they wanted. They also ran a lot on, like, third and 15. Like, they, they'd be in third and long, and they're like, we don't trust Joe. Let's run the ball and set up a fourth and short. And they actually, and it, and it worked a few times. So I give, I'm with you. I give Hypo a lot of credit for sort of being patient and playing a different type of game. I think you have to play a similar type of game to beat Alabama. Two major differences Jalen Milrow is connecting on big plays down the field. Max Johnson could not. And obviously, it's a road game versus a home game. I think those are two major differences. But otherwise, it's kind of a similar matchup with Alabama. And I think. Heupel's got to, again, have another trick and, and evolve again going into this weekend. I don't know. I think I would disagree with you, Braden, as I love to do. But think back to – and there's not many examples for Georgia, but I'm throwing them in this. But, you know, when Georgia loses or comes very, very close or when Alabama loses, 
you know, they they run a very similar defense, obviously. If Tennessee what what well let me ask you this first. What what do they what do teams do to beat Alabama to beat Georgia under Kirby Smart and Nick Saban? Uh, I mean, you need CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. and you gotta sling it all around into the outside and and make it a uh, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. that that's but that's Georgia. I don't think that's I don't think that's Alabama this year, though. I think it is. Well, um, Ole, Miss, Ole Miss tried, and it didn't work. I mean, the only, the teams that have made it ugly have kept it close. Right? But Ole Miss, Ole Miss couldn't run on Bama. That was if, – if Ole Miss can't run, they're totally ineffective. So I just don't think that that formula is going to work. You can't out-bully Alabama on the road and, and Georgia. I don't care where the game's played. You, you just can't – you can't I don't do think that. They can win. I, don't think, I don't think they're going to win either, but I – if you're asking me for the like, here's the problem: they can't. They don't have a fucking choice, Mike. They don't have a choice. Joe Milton cannot run the other type of offense. It doesn't work. Then put someone in that can because you got to. You have to throw it. You you have to beat them because what Alabama and Georgia force you to do is beat them uh, down the field in one-on-one matchups, and they're not capable. I mean, if they if they try to do what they did to A and M, they're going to lose by. Multiple touchdowns. I, I really do think. Well, they're a ten-point underdog for a reason. Um, I, this is where the, my question still stands. What is the next evolution of the hypo offense? Now that you've done it this, you've done it one way your entire career. Then you come back last week, and I think Andrew Andrew Cooper's right. Milton isn't as bad as everyone is saying, but yes, he's making plenty of dumb plays. I think that's right. W- too much of sports talk content is is reduced down to like he's great or he sucks. And like right. that's not the reality. He's just in the middle. He's just an average quarterback. He's going to make a couple of good plays. Going to make some bad plays, but he's just kind of average most of the time. They lost their composure against Florida. That's a big question for me. They were completely undisciplined against A and M. That's a big question for me. There's nothing that says that they can that they should go in there and win the game. But I don't think Bama's making anybody feel like they're unbeatable either. And if they can make it a dirty, I think I think it's. I guess I'm. I guess I'm disagreeing because I don't know if Joe Milton has another evolution to his game that Hypel can deploy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can ask Nico. I mean, I just, I think that's a cute punchline that you use to get Gaston more, put his ass in there. He looks good in a spring game. I, you, you know that they don't have a better chance to win with those guys. <laughs> like, you know that. I, I don't, I literally don't see you, how it could be any worse, Braden. I really don't. I mean, Nico, yeah, Nico had that nice or Nico Milton had that nice run where he trucked a guy. That fired everybody up. They're and five. Like, and, right, they're they're he's five back, and one. Baby. He's back. And then he threw he threw a pick right at the safety. He's like, what the look, hell? At home. You know what I mean? And he look, hell, they, he, he he threw multiple picks, I believe, oh, the against end zone, South, the end zone South Carolina, too. The the end zone throw. Like here's what I will say about being And that was the only- turning point against Florida. Just punted it right in the damn yeah. air. Be, you know, I mean, you, in, you cannot do that. Well, uh, I could name four or five quarterbacks in the SEC that are worse, just so it could get worse. Uh, it absolutely could get worse. Uh, three of them play for Auburn. Uh, what's interesting <laughs> is being in the stadium, the amount of just people being dumbfounded at, at a decision. Like, again, the interception in the end zone, you're just like, what? People are like looking around like, what, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? So um, I, I, I think he makes mistakes. I think he's, I think he has a ceiling, but I think this is the same thing we've known about Joe Milton forever. Mm. And I still think his ability to run the football in some designed plays selectively with not their on fourth down for some reason when he, when he had it. Well, the that's see, that's another moment. Like, <laughs> like 
dude, what are you doing? It's fourth and one. You're 250 pounds. Put your shoulder down. And then when it's like fourth and 13, he does decide to run and put his shoulder down and he's like seven yards short. And you're like, dude, I don't understand. I don't understand. So I, I, I'm not disagreeing with all of that analysis. Yeah. Bama can be beaten if Tennessee plays a perfect football game. Tennessee can't have the penalties. They can't have the pre-snap problems. They can't have the mistakes in the red zone. They can't have the, the, the missed overthrows. Like, they can play a game and beat Bama. I absolutely think Tennessee can do it. They have to be almost perfect, and then Milrow has to make some mistakes. You have to stop out. Like, you need uh, – 27 for Tennessee has to be a monster, just the way he's been the entire season, because that dude's been a monster. Like, everywhere you go, you see 27. You see 27. You watch on film. You watch the 22. You're in the stands. You see 27. That guy's got to attack Jalen Milrow the entire game. And so I think they can win. I, I just think they have to be perfect to do it. And I don't know what the next evolution of his offense looks like. If if Saban's sitting there watching the film of the A&M game, what, what, what else do you have? Like, um, we're going to take, take shots down the field? Like, Hypo clearly doesn't trust him to do that. Yeah, I, well, clearly they're handicapped with with what they've got to work with, but it is what it is. I just I don't think that formula is going to work. I agree. I've got Alabama winning the game, so so I, I think I'm, you I'm, try something different, even if it's not worked yet. I mean, I, I think you have to. Well, I would like, and this is there was one play early in the game against A and M where they ran a play action, and Joe took the deep shot down the right sideline because that's like apparently the only player he sees on the field. Um, there was a like a 17 yard under route that was wide open on that pass play, and I'm like, those are the routes you want to run. You, you need to run the quicker, the, go off play action, go off a of first down play action in particular, but don't try to take the 70 yard shot or the 40 yard shot. Hit that 15 yard dig route. Yeah, you know, run run a guy off and then have the second guy that's split out wide cut underneath because that guy is going to be open. So, I, I mean, also, I think you can attack Alabama's corners. They make plays, but they also make mistakes. So, I think you can attack them, especially if they're going to play man and on play action and on play action in first down. But I, I just – I still think it needs to be a low-scoring rock fight for Tennessee to win. I think it needs to be 20-17. to 17. Can so. you get on the on the line with Hypo? Give me, give me this information. Come on, Bray. Come on. We do, right. They need to do something. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, they're five, they're five and one and have all their big games still ahead of them. So I don't, I don't know what you're, you know, it can be so much, it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse. I'm talking about the offense. I mean, they're, they're not five and one cause of the offense. I'll tell you that aside from uh, an elite running game, which has very little to do with the quarterback right now. The running backs are great. They're fun. They're fun to watch on the flip side. Uh, I know you've been anti Jimbo Fisher for a long time. Never. I, I don't think He's Jimbo doing a great Fisher, job. I don't think Jimbo Fisher is a – I think this is, again, totally reductive to just say, oh, Jimbo Fisher sucks. I don't think Jimbo Fisher sucks, but I think he is what he is. And is it Bill Parcells? You are what your record says you are. Like, he's essentially a 500 SEC football coach who wins wins most of his non-conference games against overmatched opponents, although he's lost a few the last couple of years, who dominated the ACC with a superior roster and, and won a national championship with a collective of players that is just – rare in this game he is what he is he's an okay average sec football coach who is a great recruiter so if texas a&m is want to spend 60 million dollars to get rid of that that's their choice if they want to stay average and reduce that buyout for another year 
that's their choice. I, I'm I'm tired of discussing the Jimbo Fisher fired thing. It's not that 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 they have too many athletes. It's an average coached football team. It's an average SEC team with an average record who's got an average coach with an average everything. I I don't I don't know. I think you just you're you're being too impatient. We need to give this man seven seasons to I can't, I can't work with you to win nine games in a non-COVID year. You know what I mean? Um, who cares that Texas and Tennessee and LSU and Ole Miss and uh, let's see who else? Dan Mullen at Florida. Um, <laughs> wait, am he, I missing anybody? I think he beat Dan Mullen at Florida, ironically. <laughs> well, I know, but at least he won ten games, didn't he, at Florida? I'm pretty sure. Second, um, year, second year, I think. Braden throwing out the 2020 stats to make his case as well. I see. I don't understand what that means. Well, not counting COVID year, but uh, is he, he saying what? But what stat am I saying? Like that he's a 500 coach? Is that what? It's, like not, not that not, year, Braden. No, they were they were they finished. <laughs> I, I'm the one who's argued with you the other way and said, <laughs> no, that was they finished fifth in the rankings and their only loss was to Bama despite giving up 50 points in that game and that. Yeah. You know they they beat Florida pretty soundly. Who played in the SEC championship and they were one. Well, spot I'll tell away you from what. Well, yeah. If there's ever a another pandemic, hire Jimbo because he'll do a hell of a job for that year. But I just don't that, even say those words, man. That that year alone, we we got a we can't be clinging to that. That was three years ago. Uh, you, you know, in a, in three years, a good coach at a place like A and M can win and win big, and. Uh, like if you I mean, told me they, if you told me awful. Urban Meyer if you told me Urban Meyer was the head coach at, at Texas A&M tomorrow, mm-hmm. who, who who for the record is a giant piece of human shit, mm-hmm. um, they would win instantly. Yeah, they, they would win instantly. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be that bad. I mean, hell, they could probably they could probably hire Mike Elko, and it's probably a better hire than Jimbo. They could probably hire Dan Lanning. I think that'd be a better. He'd, he'd do a better job in Jimbo. Dan Mullen. I know that everybody hates Dan Mullen for some reason. He's a hell of a coach. Just needs to hire him some recruiters, and he'll do fine. Uh, Heupel, Kiffin, Brian Kelly. I mean, we can go on down the list. I mean, he's – Not Mark Stoops, right? I mean, he's average, but they're they're about the same. They're about the same, except Mark Stoops never had Jim, uh, Jameis Winston and – 11 NFL starters on defense or, in one year. I was going to say, or, or any of the resources that Texas A&M has ever had. Right. Or a 100,000-seat stadium, or recruiting in Texas, or any of that other stuff. Um, I, I love James Pierce Jr. That's why I was just talking about him. I, I think what's interesting um, about – here's the thing I have about firing coaches. I think it's easy. It's like it's like being in love with the backup quarterback like you are with Nico. It's like fans who get upset at Mike Bobo – when Georgia was actually one of the top five offenses in the country when he was running things back in the day. Uh, everyone l- hates the offensive coordinator. Everyone loves the backup quarterback. And everyone wants their coach fired without a plan in place. Uh, if I if you're in charge of Texas A&M and you fire Jimbo Fisher and you raise that oil money and you spend $55 million, which would be the largest buyout in college football history, by almost 2x, what's your plan? Like, Who's the guy that you're going to go hire that is guaranteeing to be better and especially recruiting better than Texas A&M. And I don't, that's my problem is that. Dion, <laughs> boom, oh fixed it for Dion, you. Dion, Dion can't, Dion we can't gotta, coach his way out of a fucking paper bag and nobody we, even likes the guy. Stop. We got to fire Ross Bjork too, because he's the reason we're in this mess. And, and that guy, 
I mean, one one misstep after after another for that guy. That you're asking for a plan. There's a plan. Fire Bjork, get rid of Jimbo, bring you a quality AD. They can attract like Hunter Juracek, and I mean, I I think they'll have their pick of any coach. This is going to be the best job. They just got to do it quickly because Saban is going to retire here in a couple weeks. So, and then that job potentially. I mean, it's a better job, but oh, it's, oh, Saban's retiring now in a couple of weeks. Uh, oh okay. yeah, uh, but right. the expectations there are, are sky high. I mean, A and M maybe if a, if I'm a coach and I'm looking at both jobs, I'd probably take A and M where they expect hell. They'll give you eight years to just win eight games every year, and, and they're oh, happy. Tight. But at Alabama, you win eight games year one, your ass on the hot seat already. So I could argue that A and M's a, a better job post Nick Saban. It's not, maybe, but but it's maybe but not five both- ten years, but. Immediately, both, I think it would be. They're both elite jobs. I mean, Alabama's the best job in America for a reason. Um, but it, they're both elite jobs. You can win national championships there, and that's all that matters. They have they have national title DNA, which is unlimited resources and access to talent. Um, Tyler, you asked about Lance Leipold. I've, I've known him for a very, very long time. He is an excellent, excellent football coach. His offenses, what they are doing at Kansas, are unlike anything else. They won multiple national championships at UW-Whitewater. UW they, they, he got buffaloed into the MAC championship game multiple times, and now Kansas is good. He is ex- an extremely good football coach. I don't know if that type of guy works at a place like Texas A&M. Uh, he, he mentioned, he mentioned um, Chris Kleiman as well at, at Kansas State. I don't know if that t- – like an older coach who's more of a culture builder who's going to take a while to build – like I don't know if those kind of guys work – in like the deep shark infested waters of mm-hmm. SEC recruiting, you kind of need a you need an assassin. You, you have about, to be Kirby. I, I, smart. How about this comment from Ron? He, you know, you can't. It's never proven you can win a national championship at A and M. That I think that's a fair comment because they've not done it. But couldn't you say the same thing about Florida before they landed? You know, a good coach, then they were dominant. Couldn't you say the same damn thing about LSU? And they hired a guy named Nick Saban, well, LS, and then yeah, they're dominant. LS, you know what LS, I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, I they went like 50, 60 years without winning a national championship. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what happened the last 80 years. It really doesn't. What matters is what you'd be inheriting, where you're at, what conference you're in, the talent you can get, the coaches you can get. They give you all the resources. There's no, there's no voodoo over the college station that they can't win. They just, they hired poorly and it, and it's not worked out, but hell, I mean, cl- Hiring Dabo made made Clemson a, a national yeah. champion. You know what I mean, like yeah, an, an interim wide receiver coach. And right. here, what's, what's interesting about what you're talking about? Because I agree, no no school is immune to bad decision making. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how many. Doesn't matter how much prestige you have, how much tradition, how much resources, how how your six hour radius around your campus, how many athletes are in that six hour radius. Those are the things that determine championship DNA, in my opinion. I, I think there are two things that determine championship DNA. You got to have unlimited resources. And you got to have access to talent. Those are the two things. And Texas A&M has both of those things in spades. Georgia went went forty years. Clemson went forty years. Texas has gone a long time. Tennessee wandered the desert for fifteen years. You can hire bad people, put them into put them into important places. Every school has done it. Uh, you know, it, it happens everywhere. And and LSU from nineteen. And this is what I want to. I think this is really interesting. And I think a lot of people miss this. From 1971 until Nick Saban, LSU was largely irrelevant. They won the SEC, I think, in 71. They hired Nick Saban. But what did he do when he was hired? He built the infrastructure. He changed how they were committed to spending money on the resources at LSU, and he built out the program on the back end and turned it into a machine. Dabo did the same thing when he sat down 
and got the job at Clemson. He had a binder that thick and said, here's what we have to do. We have to build out the infrastructure. That That, that is what you have to do to change the program. This is what Urban Meyer was doing at Florida. This is what, and this is what Billy Napier is trying to do right now is build out the infrastructure on the back end to have a big, massive machine that produces high-level football. And, but you can only do that if you've got access to players and unlimited resources. And Texas A&M has both of those. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, that, LSU is not a blue, blue bud. I, I, I mean, this is a guy that doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, LSU is absolutely – I mean, so, again – No, before, before they hired Saban. Well, I disagree. They had won championships before. They'd won Heisman's before. Like, I, I think that there's – Like, when I, I remember I when they to, beat Steve Spurrier – and, and you know they played them every year. They beat them like once. I, from what I remember, like it took forever, and it was like a damn parade. You have to also talk about eras, and the and I always use '98 as a BCS because it's the start of the championship game era. But it's also the invention of recruiting websites mm-hmm. and the proliferation of online recruiting, and that like that's an era of football. Like the the coaching salaries in the in the late '80s and early '90s is laughable compared to what the like the money. And the technology changed the game around between 98 and like 02. That's when the game changed. And that's when Nick Saban came to LSU. That, that's when, you know, Tennessee was really at its peak. That's when, you know, the game, st- I don't want to say passed Steve Spurrier by because that's not true. But like Spurrier didn't recruit. He wasn't out there recruiting like at midnight the way Nick Saban and Kirby Smart do. He's in the dirt drawing plays and playing golf. Like here's, he, here's how many games LSU won every year. Prior to Saban, three, four, nine, ten, seven, four, five, two, the five, Jerry Donardo five, years? four, eight, ten, nine, nine, eight, four, eight, three, seven, seven, eight, eight, six, okay, four, okay. five. What a blue blood they were. Well, they were only playing. <laughs> what are like we a, talking about? First of all, those nines and eights were only like ten and like eleven game seasons. So you got to you got to take that into again. I think it's to to not call LSU a blue blood. I think I, I don't really care. I don't. I, I can disagree. I don't think it matters. What matters is they have elite resources and access to players. That's all that matters. Yeah. And if you've got those two things, you can win a national championship. And largely, other than what Colorado, Georgia Tech, and in the 90s, early, early, early 90s, no one has won a national championship without those two things. Nobody. Yeah. BYU in the 80s. I mean, the game changed. In the late 90s, the money changed, the structure of the business changed, it all changed. And you got to have money and you got to have resources. LSU's got all of them. It's not worth arguing whether or not they were a blue blood in 1987. I just don't, I don't think it matters. But that's the same argument I'm making. It, it's today. They, they are now. A&M is now. It doesn't matter that a hadn't won in 80 whatever years. That That's irrelevant. You put, let's say, who's, who's a top 10 coach? That is a Josh Heupel. Put Josh Heupel. At tennis at, at AM today. He needs to win a division first. Well, according, okay, Dave Bartu says he's a top. Okay. Let's Dabo. Well, Dabo's kind of fading, but I don't know. Name a guy, you know, Kirby. Kirby. Put Kirby in, in yeah, college. Kirby wins, Kirby wins tomorrow. National, he's going to win a national, national championship probably yeah. in two years, in yeah, three years. No, I agree. I agree. Say, I, I totally agree. It, it, Nick Saban at AM wins a national title. Kirby Smart at AM wins a national title. Urban Meyer at AM wins a national title. That's it. I, I I don't disagree with you. We're we're saying the same things here. So is Jim, but Jimbo Fisher also is one of the few guys that's done it. He's got the ring. 
I, mm-hmm. that's earned that's earned him a lot of equity, and now that equity is starting to run out, and that's where we are. And I, I mean, it, it, that is what it is. So do they're, they're you, not as, put any they're not winless. In- they're not winless in the SEC like Hugh Freeze, Sam Pittman, and Jack, Zach Arnett combined zero and ten. So well, he's better yeah, than yeah. them. Two of, the, two of those guys are first year coaches though. But what, do you put any stock in the fact that um, you know Lane Kiffin? And sometimes he does it too much. He goes for it on you know he plays that analytics game, and Jimbo is like anti analytics. And the fact that Lane beats him every year, I have I, to think that some of that is related. I I think that it's 2023, and if you don't use technology to give you as much information to make as many smart decisions as possible, mm-hmm. I think I think you're a fucking idiot. Well, you just called him that, not me. But I, I, I think, <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I did. I, I don't think analytics are the entire thing. No, I, I think they're a big. I think they're a part of it. And I don't. I, I think if you're a human being that has any job and you don't take all of the information you can to do the best job, then mm-hmm. I think you're you're failing your job. So ultimately, that's. I mean, that's why he brought in Bobby Petrino and turned over the play calling duties. So. It's a bummer that he lost Connor Wigman. I, you know, Max Johnson's a nice backup. I would have liked to have seen this team play with Connor Wigman the entire season and see what it would have looked like. But, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's get to some positive stuff here and stop talking about negative stuff. Um, Missouri and Florida, two second halves that were just spectacular. Uh, I mean, I got to give Missouri a ton of credit on the road in a tough environment against a, a, a solid team, not a great team, not a bad team, but an okay team in Kentucky to go down 14 nothing, get punched in the face and come storming back the way they did. And they, and it could have been worse. Like, they were kicking field goals, and it could have been worse had they finished some drives in the end zone. Same thing with Florida. Uh, they're not as good, I don't think, as Missouri. I don't think South Carolina's as good as Kentucky. So I think it's kind of a tear down in from both on both sides. Mm-hmm. But you got to give Florida a ton of credit for how they went into that, that, that building. Tough place to play, hostile environment. Down two touchdowns late, down two scores late in that game to come all the way back. Um, Shane Beamer, it was very undued. It was very unbeamer like to watch that game and, and kind of go back and, and watch it. But you got to give Florida and Drinkowitz and Missouri and Billy Napier, Graham Mertz, Brady Cook, like you got to give all those guys a, a ton of credit because those offenses are playing really good football right now. Well, you know what's interesting? Beamer, obviously, most people have seen the press conference where he's calling out his players. He did it during the broadcast, they were asking him too. You know, like, how, you know, because I, I think the first quarter, Florida had like 14 or, or something. I, I can't remember exactly, but they were like, how do you slow him down? He's like, we're calling them and they ain't doing it. You know, I mean, same thing in the press. Yeah. He did it during the game. So th- this is, I thought that was pretty jarring, but. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's a good, I think, I think there's a very easy way to be a coach from a PR standpoint. Is it just like Sam Pittman does it all the time? It's very easy. Just take the yeah. blame for everything. Just take the blame. Right. Like I know that maybe maybe if you're on the hot seat that's not ideal, but then maybe like don't suck at football. But like if you just say like, hey man, I got I got I got to put them in a better position to succeed. I got to make better calls. You just you just blame yourself. Mm-hmm. You protect your part of your job as the head coach is to protect your players and your coaching staff, and you got to do that publicly, even if it's not true. That's that's part of your job, and I don't think it's a huge deal, but it seems like an easy win if you just are like, yeah, I I, I, I let my team down tonight or. Hey, I got to come up. You know, we got to call better plays. You and know? credit Billy Napier for getting him to sleep a needed. You know what my I mean? My guy, my that, guy. That's another. I don't know if you'd call that quite a signature win, but I, I think it's fun. I think uh, that's a not signature, but 
But statement, statement win. That's that's his second one of the season. And they're sitting here in a second place in the SEC East. People can't seem to grasp that, that they're second heading into the bye. So, uh, and I get it. It's going to get tougher at the back end. So may not stay there. But, hell, they could win the SEC East. As, as okay. crazy as that is to say. No, they can't. They, they can win it if they beat here's, Georgia. Here's why it's not a signature win. Uh, I think it was an important win. I, I think it was... You know, you you mentioned his road statistics as a coach. Important to win a game away from from um, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Right. There's no question about that. There's but, many more coming. <laughs> but to be down by multiple scores late in the game on the road against the two and four football team is not exactly a statement victory. Was it a good win? Yes, yes, it was. Was it an important win? Yes, yes, it was. Does it show progress? Yes, absolutely. Especially when you have the number three recruiting class in America. It's all going well for Florida right now. Bill Graham Mertz is his he looks like a totally different quarterback at Florida in that offense than he did at Wisconsin. And by the way, Ricky Pearsall, hot damn. That dude, that dude can play, man. What a what a ball player. Um that guy, that team, that offense, I love watching what they do pre-snap. I love how complicated it all is. I I, I think it's Graham Mertz has taken to it. I think Billy Napier is deserves the credit for for what he's doing and patience sometimes is actually a good thing in the sec sometimes well he is in one and a half year in let's (laughs) (laughs) but i i can't i mean i get i guess i get what you're saying do you i mean we've talked about this too many times so i don't want to rehash it but you have Uh to acknowledge context of when he took the job the roster was devoid of talent. Dan Mullen had left it empty. They didn't have practice facility. They barely even had an indoor practice facility in fucking Gainesville, Florida, of all places. I don't, like, I don't you, think you can. Um, you have to take. You have to take all that into account. I, I don't think you do. Not with the portal and not with NIO, because it has shown many times over that you can flip it quickly. So, not not build not build a long term sustainable plan. It, no one has done that. Tennessee no, everyone, looks pretty sustainable. LSU no, looks pretty sustainable Tennessee to me. had LSU and Tennessee have facilities that Nobody's were already facilities, built. Bro. <laughs> no, we're talking about the infrastructure, the recruiting infrastructure, the assassins. I'm talking about the roster. The NIL, you said the roster. The I'm talking this. about all of it. I'm talking about all of it. The roster, number one. It, t- Tennessee. <laughs> they didn't have the roster. They hired L- one hell of a LSU, coach. LSU had recruited very well. LSU had recruited top 10 classes. LSU yep. did not, I think they were down to 36 scholarship players, though. They've also lost six games in the last two years. So, I, And a division title in, I, I in the toughest division. So I, I just don't think these excuses fly at a place like Florida. I'm like, so tired of having this argument. They're, they're showing progress. They're recruiting the third. They have the, a top five recruiting class. All, all, it's all trajectories up at, at Florida right now. It, I, there's going to be some losses at the end of the season, so I'm prepared for that. So I'm not going to be surprised when that happens. You were the one that said, "Hey, two and four, you can't be losing to two and four, Carolina or something like that." No, I, I said that. you can't call it a state. God, fucking <laughs> taking all the words out of my mouth. You <laughs> called it a state. I don't think you can call a statement win, a win over a four loss team, a two and four team where you're trailing by two scores in the fourth quarter. Like I don't think that's a statement win. Well, he I, doesn't I, have I, enough wins to. <laughs> I mean, that kind of was for him. <laughs> I think the statement was beating the <laughs> shit out of Tennessee. P- punching yeah. Tennessee in the face. Punching your boy, Josh Heupel, right he in the face. He just said Tennessee's not any good. 
I, I, I think they're eight and four. You I'm said they're be- the worst five and one team in the country. I, that's what you said. And now you're like, that was that was one. You're the one who said, they, oh, can't get any worse. Can't get any worse. Five and one. Good I mean, there, there's a chance can't Tennessee's like five and four here in a couple weeks. I I think they will beat Kentucky on the road. I think they lose to Bama. I think they lose to Georgia. And if they lose to Missouri, I win my bet, and you owe me a bottle of whiskey. What what is uh, I'm a virgin according to this man. I mean, I know you have a girlfriend, so I can confirm. She sources. may be a virgin, though. I don't know. Who knows? Sources, sources. I, I don't want to talk about your sex life. <laughs> okay. Well, I just didn't understand how, how that got into it, but. Oh, um, well. I, I agree with RC's point that when you twist all these words around to make your to make to 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 make your little laughs, that it that it it decreases Statement the value. Of Statement win. Thank you, Tristan. He knows what's up. There we go. That was uh, epic. How about Missouri? Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about how good Missouri is because ten win Mizzou cousin Shane called it well all off season Braden said to hell with Mizzou. I'm just kidding. No, you were you were on the bandwagon too. Credit to you. Thank you. I don't think anybody said ten win though, other than first good yeah. thing you said in 50 minutes. Cousin Shane, he said 11 wins at first. That he's like, well, wait, wait maybe that's 10. Like, that's, <laughs> not go cra- that's not going crazy. That's not going crazy. They could still uh, win 11. Now, if they go 10 wins though, that's a win over Tennessee, a team they have had trouble beating. Um, the we got to give coach of the year, right? To drink if he goes, if he wins 10. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, no question. Um, Flor- the Florida Missouri game is one of the weirdest football games that is ever played every year. It's so great. Uh, he owns drink right now is undefeated against Shane Beamer. They're going to play South Carolina at home this week. Mm-hmm. So they've got to figure that out. But if they, if they kind of quote unquote handle their business, like nine and three is like almost uh, like g- not given, but like nine and three is there. If they can beat Tennessee, Tennessee is like the one that I think is is interesting because Missouri has struggled against this Tennessee Josh Heupel offense, ironically, former offensive coordinator. Right. And uh, hey, another credit to this is just credit to drink show here. But um, hey, he's an offensive minded guy. He coaches quarterbacks. He calls the plays. And what he said is that's not working with me doing that. And he didn't have to say that. He said, oh, fire my ass. Give me. I don't know what it would have been. Twenty million or. I just made that up, but however many million to make me go away. He didn't do that. He said, all right, it's not working. I'm going to bring someone in that can develop quarterback. I just got a quarterback to the NFL. And he remember, he was the one, which I didn't care for it at the time. And I, I still don't, I don't think you call out your fans right after your biggest win, but he was doing it to protect his player. And yeah. his players was playing lights out ever since then. So I think, you know, it clearly worked for, for him and his, his locker room. So, uh yeah, I mean all credit in the world to and not only that, but bringing in but trying to circle back to where I was going to start here. He he likes to run his mouth, and I I like mm-hmm. that. I like these coaches that run their mouth because I, oh, I, I I love it I too. Think it, I think it's boring as hell if they're all going to be Kirby smart. Well, and, and get to and, and well, the, I know for, I know for a fact Kirby's got what he's got a great personality, but he doesn't show it, yeah. and that's that's his prerogative because he wins every damn time. He don't have to, but. Will Muschamp could have saved him, perhaps, at South Carolina. It, it can save you, but it can also get you in trouble. If you're running it and you're losing all these games, Eli's kind of shut that down, and this is his best team yet. So, again, another credit to Drink. He should be, right now, SEC Coach of the Year. I, I can't disagree. Um, I, I always like to try to disagree with you, but I can't. Uh, I, I agree. I think he's done the best job. 
And part of that is knowing when to be a good CEO, as you said, bringing in Kirby Moore. Brady Cook was clearly hurt all of last season because this looks like a totally different player this year. All those young five-star recruits, the, the freshmen, the burdens of the world, like they're all developing into guys that are stars. Um, there's a couple of really interesting comments about tenant, like Roger there. Uh, this was the entire summer, eight months, where I told you guys, Orange Bowl Joe is not a thing. It doesn't exist. And guess what? We have not seen him one time this year. I do think the question, though, earlier in the comment section about from Dylan, can Tennessee score with Mizzou or does their defense stop Mizzou? I think ultimately pressuring Brady Cook is the question because Missouri's defense, it's not elite, but it's pretty good. And Joe Milton has not shown that he can make plays. They're going to run the ball in Missouri. But if it gets into a shootout, I think that benefit – this is what's crazy about Tennessee and Josh Heupel. Shootouts don't benefit their style of play this year. It just doesn't. Hmm. It, it, they they need to play, you know, 27, 30, 31 to 21 kind of games. Like, they've got to play – what, and that's quote-unquote low scoring in college football now. Mm-hmm. These games that are going like – like the games that LSU play – plays i don't think tennessee can play those games unless it's like hand the ball off you know 85 times so you're know. saying the new clock rules are favoring tennessee once yeah, again hypo, masterful adjusting to the new yeah. rules of college football uh <laughs> you mentioned kiffin and ole miss i want to ask you about this game at auburn plus six and a half um auburn's a six and a half point underdog at home uh ole miss is one and eight in auburn their last nine trips of course auburn six and one in their last seven overall um this is one of those where, like, I'm. I think Ole Miss could be really good, but I'm not sure yet. I think the loss to Bama is starting to look like a pretty decent loss. The win over LSU is looking better because LSU keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those games where, like, Auburn's strength, if they have one, is on defense. They've been way better at home. It, Ole Miss is rested. Like, there's no real excuse for Ole Miss not to go into the go to go down to the plains and win that game. And if they do, I think they put themselves in a college football playoff type of situation. Because, like, when I was doing my rankings, I'm sitting there looking at these teams around the country that are like 10, 11, 12, 13 in the rankings, which is like Utah, Notre Dame, um, Oregon State, North Carolina. Like, I think Ole Miss is in that group. But you can't go on the road and lose to Auburn and be in that group. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it with Ole Miss. I mean, they they're dead to me when they lost to Alabama. I guess, but uh, that's not an overreaction at all. I don't know. Are they just <laughs> how dare you lose to Alabama? That, that Alabama, yeah. There, there's no excuse, and I get it. They beat LSU. That was that was nice, but. I don't know. I, th- I think that was a fluky game. I really do. And I think if there was 30 more seconds in that game, LSU would have won it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I usually uh, am. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. Comment wars. Braden is not a virgin because he had sex with my wife. Don't think I forgot you, SOB. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely concerned about that. Uh, but, it's been a long time since I had sex with somebody other than my wife. I'm, I'll just... I'll just uh, I'm, if that makes me a big old loser, that's fine. But it's been a long time. Yeah, and I was talking with, uh, I don't I know how to it. transition it, from that, but um, I was talking to Bo Bounce, host a big radio show down there in yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. And he, he said, you know, there's issues in the locker room, and, and particularly with Judkins. So, and then he went for like 177 against LSU. Yeah, what, what else has he done, though? You know what I mean? <laughs> 
You mean? I mean, if they if they can get that from him every week, yeah, they they can beat anybody because he's that good. But well, this this is why I'm asking the question. Like, they, if they go into Auburn and run the football, mm-hmm. Auburn's not a not, Auburn's not a, a good team. They're average to below average, but they're okay on defense and they're better at home. So if you can go on the road and run the football against Auburn, okay, mm, that, that does nothing for me. I think I got Auburn as the fifteenth or fourteenth best team in the SEC right now. So yeah, they're better than Vanderbilt. Yeah. So. No, that that does nothing for me. You're right, RC. My wife is the goat. There's no question about that. Um, I I just I just think there is something to be said about when you are the favorite, when you're playing in a tough situation, and you're sort of in this prove it situation. Like that that was Tennessee last week. Like that was you're coming off a bye. A and M is limping. You're at home. You got to prove that you belong. Like prove that you're the you're the dog. And Tennessee figured out a way to do that. Even if it was ugly, they figured out a way to do it. Those you can't discount those types of games. Like I know you want to put everything into one of two boxes where everything sucks or everything's great. And like that's not where the world lives. The world lives in the middle. And for Ole Miss, a program that's like never competing for championships since integration, uh, going on the road as a one-loss team this late in the season and beating Auburn, even if it's first year Hugh Freeze and they're not any good. Again, I just told you the stats. They've only won there one time in nine tries. And one of the other wins they've had was vacated because it was Hugh Freeze, of course. Uh, so, <laughs> so, like, I just I just think that you you don't like – like Georgia's win at Auburn. Uh, college football is strange. Sometimes mm-hmm. you play – sometimes other teams play really well. Sometimes you don't. And if you can figure out to win in – ways to win in those situations, that to me shows me as much about a team as anything. Uh, so, I mean, sure, do you want to dominate a bad team? Of course you do. But that's not what Ole Miss does traditionally. And th- for them to go to Auburn, especially with all the backdrop of the Auburn coaching saga with Kiffin and everything, both teams have it circled. I don't know. I, I think it's an, I think this is a really important weekend for Ole Miss. Th- this is a game that old Ole Miss, old, old Mississippi would lose. <laughs> and, and if, and if, and and if you're new Kiffin... <laughs> If you're new, sip, go win it. <laughs> he loves to drop these games too. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's might, what I'm saying. You might be onto something, but no, it would not impress me. Here's they're the other dead, thing: they're I, dead to me. All right, whatever. You're impossible. Um, Mississippi State, Arkansas. We're finally gonna have a win in the SEC. That's going on. I will mm-hmm. say this about the Army LSU game: that's a 30 point spread. I would not. I, I would take Army in the 30 points there. I heard Army likes to throw it around now these days. <laughs> Compared to their old selves and yeah, yeah. LSU can't stop anybody. So, yeah. no, come on, come on, man. 30, 30. I mean, we they're, talking halftime spread or full full game? Because no, they're gonna they're gonna run the clock because of the triple option, and they're gonna throw it a little bit. Yeah, I'm just saying LSU wins the game easily. I'm just saying I wouldn't touch the thirty points. See, if Dan Mullen was the coach, he'd sit Jaden Daniels and uh, Harold Perkins and make up some injury and, and just say we need them for the tail end, and then they drop it to Army. When, but when does the standing Kelly? When does the stand-up tour start? Like, are you doing zanies like after the season's over, or like? I would love to. Yeah, working on some material. <laughs> no, LSU's on a heater, baby. I mean, we're we're back. We're we're gearing up for Bama. LSU so, looks better and better each week. I agree. Mm-hmm. I they they're I mean, doing what they did to Auburn is not all that impressive, but it, it is it, it it was it was exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah, which is at home against Auburn. Uh, get your receivers down the field. And throw the football to him, and then mysteriously kiffing to Florida. <laughs> that'd be fun. I mean, I, 
I don't understand why people would be upset at Billy Napier currently, but it's just me. It's boring. Oh, boring well. as hell. Worried he's, about he's boring. He's boring. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about boring, as you just alluded to? You're like, oh, I wish all these coaches talk more shit. You know the two most boring coaches? They're the ones with all the championships. Saban mm. and Smart are the two most boring coaches. And they have all No, the I would I would strongly disagree with that. Uh, Zach Arnett is uh he's number one on the board right now. Oh boring. Bill, Billy Napier is is right in his coattails there. Hell, Clark, uh, Clark Lee's <laughs> speaking ability is up pretty high on the boring list. I'll put yeah. Um hell, Nick Saban, he just said a curse word in his press conference. That's, that ain't boring to me. You know, he oh. he'll get he'll get on your ass. He has he did uh take didn't he get a collar from some didn't he take a caller a couple of weeks ago on his <laughs> yeah, local that ain't show? Boring. And he no, I think, but Saban. That's because it's new. It's new Saban. It's yeah. This is this is the first year he's ever been like this. This is cool Saban. He's on Pat McAfee. He's trying to act yeah. like he's not about to retire, and, and you know he's ninety years old, whatever. Look, I'm. I think we all agree that if Saban retires, thirteen schools in the SEC are excited about the future of the product. Let me ask you this here, Brady, because we, we got some we got some Gators in here. Uh, they think I'm mad at Billy Napier. No, uh, would, would, you, would you rather you're have Billy? Would you rather have Billy Napier or Josh Heupel? Is that even debatable? I mean, on paper, Josh Heupel right now, yeah. But Unless, Billy, only a Billy, Florida Billy, fan Billy, would say Billy Napier. I, 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 one team was completely composed and ran the football down the throat of the other team this year, and that mm -hmm. wasn't Josh Heupel. Are you talking about Kentucky playing Florida? Is that what you were talking about? No, I was talking. You mentioned. Oh, okay, you said Josh okay. Heupel. Right. And Who's Billy undefeated Napier. against Mark Stoops? Lest we forget. What, what does Mark Stoops have to do with Billy Napier and Josh Heupel? What are you Oh, you doing? said run it you said run at will. I was thinking Kentucky facing Billy Napier. Wasn't that two years in a row? Isn't Billy Napier 0 and 2 against Mark Stoops? It's because Mark Stoops is the greatest coach that's ever lived. Oh, right, right, yeah. right, right. Don't you know that? <laughs> in the history of Kentucky football. Yep. They're all saying Napier. Yeah, Nap Napier's he's awesome. I hope he never leaves. <laughs> uh, should have beaten Tennessee last year and torched them this year. So, I didn't realize Tennessee was their standard, but that's that's how far they've fallen. What are you talking about? Tennessee and Florida was the the thing. Yeah, twenty years with ago. All due, with all due respect to Drinkowitz and to mm -hmm. Stoops and to Beamer, yep. I love all those guys. They're they're entertaining, and I think they're varying degrees of pretty damn good. Right. But the big three in the East is Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida. That's it. We were talking earlier about national championship DNA. The three mm -hmm. teams that have competed for and won national championships are Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida. The rest of the East has not, and that's it. Wait, Florida, yes. Florida smoked South Carolina last week? That is not what happened. I, I must have missed it. No, no, that. no. They, they, Tennessee got destroyed by oh, South Carolina right, last right. year. Right, right. Gave up a 60-burger, and then Florida beat the piss out of them. That's because the quarterback year. got hurt. Come on. That ain't hey. – your Heisman contender goes down. Yeah, when it was thirty-five to thirteen, when he was still playing, though. What was that, would was they that? would they have won if Anthony Richardson got hurt? I don't think so. I mean, that was that was an elite. That was an elite what South are you Carolina squad. About? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying Where, to remember I, last season. Florida beat the shit out of South Carolina. South mm -hmm. Carolina beat the tar out of Tennessee when mm -hmm. Hooker played mo like at least half oh, of that I, game. Oh, he got hurt. Game. That's what that's what happened. Yeah, they were so yeah, he, shocked. Yeah, he plays corner. He he covers those receivers. I forgot about that. Um, and then Napier has now trounced Tennessee, made Tennessee shit down their leg on national television a couple of weeks ago. So mm. I, I think Heupel's better on paper right now. He's accomplished more. I think it's pretty clear.
but their group of five careers were virtually identical. And Billy Napier's having a, a, a blossoming second season the same way Josh Heupel had a blossoming second season last year. So right yep. now, on paper, they're one and one against each other. The home team has won both games. Their G5 careers were pretty similar. Really good at UCF for Heupel, really good at Louisiana for Billy Napier. Both recruiting at a top 10 level. Like, they're actually way closer than people want to admit. But it's because Heupel's further along. One more year. I would also throw Heupel into the boring list. I forgot. His, his press conferences are are just unwatchable. I just think he's a regular dude. It's just what he is. Yeah, but give me something, you know? All right. Why can't, why can't they be more like Spurrier? Give me five-star reviews on the podcast app when you go listen to this show. Tell everybody about SEC Football Live. Of course, you can get to me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports. Uh, you can get to at Michael W. Bratton as well. Please go over to the 440 Sports YouTube page for individual game previews. Uh, we, put, we post those videos myself and Stephen Lassen every single week, so go check those out. Uh, I've been right about basically every single game, so please go give us some reviews. Give us a subscription. We really, really appreciate it. That SEC podcast as well. Y'all know the drill. Thank you guys all for your comments as well. Uh, third Saturday in October, I got Bama, but I think it's close, and I think it's a dirty, 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 nasty rock fight. So there we go. Uh, for Mike, I am Braden. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.